This is a Polar Star Podcast. show today welcome to the polar star podcast on this show i talk to artists entertainers and business owners that call maine home my guest this week is sable hayes she's a wildly talented artist uh, that works with glass as we started talking i found out that she has worked an incredible amount of festivals which it it starts out being a lot of fun and as we hear turns into kind of a drag after damn near a decade of it so uh but she she learned an incredible amount and shares it with us. It really informs her. She comes from uh, her mom's an artist, and so she really has a special story and has and had we had a really interesting talk, and she's a good friend of mine. So I'm really excited to share that with you. Thank you for watching my show today. Please subscribe where you listen. It really helps me out. The most important thing to me right now, if you like this show, if you like what I'm doing here, please tell your friends. If if we can get a, a nice, engaged community around this show and, and you guys let me know what you like, what you don't like, please, you know, I'm open to that to a point. So you're welcome to visit polarstarpodcast.com. You can contact me through there. And you can see all the other shows that I'm working on that I'm very excited to bring you. Uh, so again, polarstarpodcast.com. And please subscribe where you listen. With no further delay, here is Sable Hayes. So how are you? Great. How are Good. you? I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, struggling today <laughs> with people in general. Every day is a struggle. <laughs> but I feel like... Um, I feel like that is uh is uh pretty aligned with you <laughs> <laughs> in general. So that could be true, yeah. So I mean, we've known each other for a while. Yes. Um you blow glass. I do. For, for professionally. Yes. Yeah, for a living. Yes. Yeah, you since I was 20 years old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so you've I mean, you have some other jobs here and there, but your primary income is blowing glass? So, I mean, I've always picked up, like, side work, like, but, like, 80% of my income is glass. Wow. Yeah. That's So, it's pretty much all of it. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I didn't really start doing, like, side work until, like, maybe five or six years ago when I was just, like... It was just, like, brought to me, like, the other work, and it was chill and conducive to also still blowing glass. But before that, like, the first, like, 15 years of my career, like, I only blew glass. Wow. Um, how, you know, I, what I like to do is is kind of make our way back here, you know? And, yep. and, and so where are you from? I'm from Pennsylvania, central Pennsylvania. Okay. Very, like, uh, podunk. It's, like similar to the Lewiston Auburn area I would say if we were like comparing places okay just like a big bigger city in the middle of a huge state just full of pretty horrible people in general <laughs> I would say really yeah if I lived there still I'd be like two baby daddies and like a pill habit deep you know what I mean? yeah yeah it's like that yeah it's Pennsylvania is what they call like, yeah, yeah. area. backwoods yeah kind of Appalachian yes yeah but yeah. then, like, still weird and ghetto. Like, my hometown has, like, a lot of, like, gun violence. Sure. And, like, my mom had to move from the house that I grew up on because there was just so many shootings, like, around our house. General kind of poverty. Really. Stuff. And now it's really crazy because it's uh, the capital of fracking for the fracking pipeline. Okay. So then, like, all of this weird money, like, came in. Yeah. But it's, like, fake money because it's all going to go away again. Like, PA loves just, like, ripping apart its, like, natural uh, qualities. And then just, like, yeah, 20 years later, it's all fucked, you know? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so you got – you seems like you got out of there quick. But did you go to high school? Is that where you went to high oh, school? Oh, yeah. I went to Williamsport Area High School. Uh, yeah, I left was like soon as I could. Yeah. Like my mom was pretty hard on me, so I like moved out immediately and then no college. We were I was poor. I barely graduated. It oh, wasn't really? like a it was like my mom was like bring home like C's 
then I was like somewhat dead. You, no, no college at all. Didn't even try. <laughs> no, dude, really? I had no money. <laughs> okay, and I had horrible grades. So those things like don't go together for college, okay. All right. which is fine because if I were to have gone to college, I would have never started blowing glass. So how did you get introduced to glass? Was it in Pennsylvania so or after you left? I met a guy at a music festival and I moved to Massachusetts to be with him. And we were living in like what you could say was like, like a hippie flop type house, you know? Yeah. And one day we're just like sitting in the was living. Was this kind of right after high school? I was, I got with him when I was like 19. I moved okay. out. I had my own apartment in Williamsport and then I got with him and like left. But you were, so, and you were, you were already going to music festivals as a teenager. Oh yeah. Really? My brother used to work for this production company, A to Z Productions okay. in PA and they would do festivals in PA. So when I was like 14, 15, I would go work shows and make like signs and like direct parking and shit like oh, that. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. What did he do for the company? He ran uh, their security. Oh, wow. Okay, great. Yeah. So, so he... at an early age, I was already like in the back end of shows, you know? Oh, wow. All right. That yeah. That's definitely, I didn't know that. And that's definitely pretty interesting. Yeah. You know? No, it was great too. Cause like when I was a teenager, like they did like a bunch of festivals. So like by the end of it, like, I just could like waltz in there, like not even like need a wristband or anything. And when you're like 15, 16 and your friends are showing up at a show and you're like in with security, you're like, yeah, what's up? So I yeah. felt super cool at the time. You nice. Know? <laughs> and, and, um, were you, was it mostly, you know, jam stuff? Oh yeah. It was so the last year they did Creekside, which was their biggest show. It was like the roots sound tribe, uh, Steve Kimmock, like it was like a really good lineup for a tiny ass show in PA. You know? So how did you? What was this like? Something that your mom was into too, or like no, how did you so get into like my jam music oh, through your jam brother? Jam music, I would say it was just I don't know. In high school, you know, Fish was the shit, and yeah, I don't know. It wasn't even really my brothers. It was just like our vibe. Like my name is Sable Hayes. Like my brothers, like Rain. You know, like we're kind of like in a hippie household, anyways. Okay, yeah. And then my dad is like super into music, so he would. I he took me to like I probably went to eighty concerts before I graduated high school. Yeah, so you did kind yeah. of get it from your parents. But he's yeah. not like a jam guy. He likes like metal like oh, really? we went to like rob zombie and shit together. oh wow like, yeah okay like he just went to see metallica like last year and he was like <laughs> but but you, fish was big when you were fish in was high big school. when i was in high school like for sure and so you kind of grabbed i got there. and i smoked weed and like and did acid and stuff like that you know in so. high school oh, that's yeah. when you started that yeah, stuff totally. yeah okay but right. I think it was kind of good because i got it in real hard in high school so by the time i had moved to massachusetts I almost, like, became, like, a housewife in a lot of ways. Like, I took it down. Like, no one knew me, so I was, like, cool. No one knows me. I can kind of, like, be not known to be, like, that crazy party girl, you know? Is that how you were known? Um, kind of, yes. Yeah. I would say so. Like, my dad had a house that I could have parties at, and, oh. I, and I did have parties there okay. a lot. So you had the party hours. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cool. Which was great, but, yeah. like, it didn't, like, help me I educate at all i would say but whatever sure. yeah it's fine now i mean start young you know it's but it does once if you start young you see consequences really hard yeah. of like how it can be bad and i know that i'm not a perfect person at this point but i also was like eh, yeah i yeah. don't want to be like that hardcore sure you know yeah. i started a little young too um but my where i grew up was just so soft it was just like pencil. Yeah, but it wasn't like that. Yeah, like where I, where I grew up. I mean, I grew up like a suburb of Lowell, you know, and it was just like the softest, wonder bread white. Just oh yeah, like like I know about Lowell. So like me getting into it young, you know, was just kind of drinking and smoking weed, a little bit of ecstasy, kind of later in high that school. That was like. Yeah, yeah, like I, I was a raver too, a little bit. Okay, yeah, because yeah. you're a little bit older yes. than I am. Yeah. yeah, so so it was kind of the tail end of the yeah. rave scene. Like, uh, what's it called? UFO pants. Like, I definitely had those. Oh, it yeah. went like to the like, parachutes. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd yeah. go to like state college and like they that's where the, all the raves were. Okay, yeah, so, it was pretty cool back then. So, you're kind of just in the right place at the right yeah. time. And then your and then your brother is is working the shows and your dad's bringing you to shows. So, and and I mean, 
kind of hippie parents. So it was like you were just kind of heading that way. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Made sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was nobody telling you anything you were doing was wrong. Not really. My mom was really hard on me, but like not in like the traditional ways that people think about someone being hard on me. Okay. It was more just like, don't get pregnant. You're going to get pregnant. Whatever I wanted to do was like, you're going to get pregnant. <laughs> so it was more about me like just doing like nonstop housework for her and not getting pregnant. <laughs> but, but like she found out I like smoked weed when I was like 14 because she read my diary because I came home late that was like a big infraction like don't come home late and like she just grazed over that like she I know she read it like she said something about it but then it was just like I was like okay cool I'm like not getting in trouble for weed right now like I'm yeah. just getting in trouble for being home late like okay okay yeah maybe you know she was probably smart enough to know we were going to yeah. anyway and I feel like she had a hard life and, like, had an ex-husband that was, like, a hardcore drug addict. So she doesn't do drugs or drink at all. But I think she knows that, like, weed is whatever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you, you know, that I feel like that gives that gives us a pretty good picture. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And then, and then um, through through the shows you meet this guy so yeah so then through I'm, festivals so i met him and i met him and my girlfriend got really close with him so my brother was my other brother was living in new hampshire at the time so me and tilly went and we visited keith and then we went to brim's house and hung out with him and then me and keith kept in like communication. are you okay with all these names yeah okay. i don't care okay everybody that knows me knows these names it's fine okay um so I got close with Keith and I ended up moving up there with him, which was like, you know, we were together a long time. It didn't work out, but he was a great guy. Where in Massachusetts? Gloucester. Okay. Like Lanesville. Yeah. The, Real. I, I don't know that much, but. It's like redneck fishermen, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Sambuca and Budweiser. Sure. Just like all yeah, day. Yeah. <laughs> again, my, so my mother's from Manchester. My grandmother it has lived in magnolia my whole life but that's the bougie side oh magnolia is very bougie yeah i'm definitely from i'm definitely more on I, like the more i look back i'm definitely bougie bitch ass north short kid when i first moved there like, i was like where are the black people like where's yeah. like the flavor like what is this place it's yeah. was so vanilla all i was like there's no cars like broken down on the side of the road like what's happening like here? i know gloucester does get a little rough but not like i was used to not yeah not like backwoods appalachian no not Wa like like walking home with like, like a knife in my hand you know what i mean yeah, like, yeah not yeah. like that at all. No, i used to hitchhike all the time in gloucester it was really? like the jam because it was an island so what years are we looking at about so I like early in, 2000s I, li I moved to gloucester probably 2002 okay yeah and I lived there till like 2007 or 8. Is that where you started blowing yes. glass? So, yes. I was living at that hippie house. Okay. And one day me and him are just sitting in the living room and we get a knock on the door and there's this chick with a gun case in her hand. And she's like, hey, like, I couldn't help but notice that, like, hippies live here. Do you guys want to buy some pipes? And we were like, <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, yeah. totally. Because back then in the early 2000s. It so it was after Op Operation Pipe Dream. So, like. Glass floors were sketched out about selling glass. Yes, yeah. So like, like I I got my first pipe probably around that time. Yep. And it was like you had to like know where to go and like ask the guy to see the crate that was behind the thing. Oh and yeah, like, I did that. Yeah. So like, <laughs> like I'm like my first pipe I got was like um was it in Hull. Uh, beach town hall south shore yeah uh with, with my good friend i grew up with and she's like i know where i can get you a pipe i'm like sick and so we rode over it was like off season in this beach town yeah going to the one store that's open on the boardwalk you know and 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 knew to she knew to ask him to, if we could see the glass yeah you know and you still had to watch what you said it was like early 2000s well was do you know about operation pipe dream no not really so in the early 2000s the feds came through mostly in California and raided glass studios, okay. like small studios, not even factories, like people's like, like the one shop I worked in one of the shops that was raided and it wasn't like a big organization. It was just like a couple kids in a garage, you know? Yeah. So like the guy who originally taught me his wife or his, her, 
husband, rather, he left Fresno and like was so sketched out. Like he didn't even want her to come over and bring us glass. Okay. And like, so she brought us glass. We started buying but glass. But she's like, I'm going to take the risk. Because they had four kids and they yeah. needed money. And wow. So she was like, I'm not. And she was very like. So so just to wrap up what Operation Pipe Dream. It, so I a little I know a little bit about it where it was basically they they were treating paraphernalia as drugs. So they would they seized all of these kids equipment. Yeah. Like all of like their raw glass and made glass and torches and kilns and like everything. Yeah. And lots of people got into a lot of trouble. Like the shop that the kid who taught me was like his shop in Fresno got raided and like his like yeah. partner got arrested and, and stuff. like all of it came from you know old school Northern California growing yes you know turned into the glass scene and it all it all just kind of came from that and so these guys were f got raided we're fleeing that yes. move to the East coast. Exactly. And she's taking the chance to sell this hippie house, some glass. Exactly. Yeah. So I started babysitting for them Okay. and we started taking their glass to festivals and selling it, like just walking around. And that went on like that for like a while, like a few months. And so you were selling their glass. Yes. Wow. And that went on for a few months and they had like this other apprentice that wasn't working out very well. And his wife, Kirsten, was actually pushing for him to teach me. She was like, you should teach Sable. Like, fuck this other kid. Like, he just is selling, like, dime bags out of, like, the glass shop. Like, you, because they wanted someone to make them proto. You waste a lot of equipment teaching people or, okay. or for supplies, you know. And, the, you know, it was probably a turnoff. Like, oh, this guy is selling weed out of here. Yeah. We like, can't really have that kind of heat. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and like... You know, I feel like a lot of people lose touch with how sketchy it was before it became legal. Like, and people up here in Maine, um, it's always been kind of just decriminalized, and they've it's had way they've had the one like really the earliest adopted medical system, and it's why it's really what brought a lot of people here, and it's what's making the industry what it is now. Oh, for sure. But like, especially Massachusetts. Um, California where they were cracking down like it was sketchy oh big time like even so I went to high school from in the early 2000s uh, 02 to 07 and and um, they you know people's kids lives were being ruined you were being arrested and then you couldn't go to college like you you couldn't get loans like people's lives were being ru ruined over like a joint no for sure yeah and so but you're kind of growing up into it, so you're like, "Well, this isn't weird to me," you know. Yeah. It, the, you're you're willing to take the risk. Yeah. Of and, and and learn how to blow. Well, see, like pot's always been a huge part of my life, so it's like as soon as like he said you want to like learn, I like jumped on it just okay. because like I. Like, you know, weed's a very, like, communal thing. Like, it's really... It between, like, me and my dad and my brothers, like, it's, like, a thing that we do together. It's, okay. like, our bonding thing, okay, you know? <clears throat> and then it's, like, I always wanted to be an artist, but it's, like, I never said it really out loud because it's, like... Did you do other art? Before I started blowing glass, I did do other art. Um, I always really liked 3D stuff more. Like, I really was into pottery in high school and stuff like that. My mom's a really good 2D artist, so she would make me draw a lot when I was a kid, but I'm not, like, that good at it. She just thinks I am, but... Okay. But, uh, so I was, like, really took it seriously because I knew, for one, that they had four children, and if I didn't make them money, he wasn't going to teach me. Yeah. And I also knew that this might be my only chance to, like, pick up, like, a skill like that that I could translate for myself, you know? Great. But I had never seen anyone blow glass before. Like this was like 2000, maybe it was 2003 at this point. So like, it wasn't like now, like now I know like 50 glass blowers in like New England, but yeah. then it wasn't, there was no glass blowers. I had never seen it done. Like the first time I saw a pipe being made, I was like, <laughs> this is what you do like this is what happens and it was, was it mostly spoons uh yes yeah. so the first week i blew glass i made a bag of spoons like a shaw's bag wow and he sold it for 50 bucks and i was like 
I'm freaking made this, you know? And wow. he, he was awesome, too, because he would split everything. So I would get 50% of everything that I made. Wow. Which is, like, an insane deal. Like, that does yeah. not happen normally. Yeah. I, I don't think that people even have apprentices anymore, like, in the glass game. Like, when I was coming up, there was there were some, but now that's, like, not a thing. You have to pay. Really? Yeah. Nobody okay. wants to, like, have an apprentice anymore because it doesn't actually work out normally. And there's some schools where you can learn, like, uh, scientific. Salem and New Jer- Salem State, New Jersey is pretty much, like, the only one. Okay. But, um, but so what happens is when people have apprentices, most of the time people, you, so you get an apprentice and you have to teach them for a while. And the goal is after you teach them for a while, they're going to start making you prep and whatever to make it your life easier. But what happens most of the time is people are like, oh, this is how you do it. Peace. I'm going to go do this myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So people don't want to do it that much anymore. But sure. luckily, like I worked with him for like almost a year and they ended up moving is why I stopped. They, you know, it, it's. It's funny because it's just so selfish to learn from somebody and not give back for a short amount of time. People you know, suck, dude. Set up their shop for a short amount of time and 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 you know and give and repay what you what he gave you in in the skill. Oh yeah, you know because that's how. That's, that's how, how it should be. Because that's how audio engineering was too. And and like we had to I had to learn like I interned at a studio. And like when you intern at a studio, you're vacuuming, you're you're cleaning, doing all of the bitch work. You're, you're making coffee. You're you, 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 I was I wasn't allowed to sit in a session until I could clean right. Yeah. You know, no, and, for and sure. Literally until I cleaned, lit all the tea candles made the coffee right, did everything great, scrubbed the toilet until I could do all of that without being critiqued. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to sit in on a session. That's how it should be, honestly. Yeah. And and then and then sitting in on a session was me keeping my fucking mouth shut <laughs> and sitting in the corner and and really if any if if anybody noticed I was there, I was doing something wrong. Oh, big time. And so, and then it was like, and then it's like, okay, you know how to sit there, right? You you can mic the drum set with me next time. Yeah. You know, and it's like literally, and, and I was lucky where I kind of, I, I was raised with that respect. And so I was able to move through that quickly. But um, I feel like in these trades, especially glass blowing and audio in, in these trades that used to be heavily apprenticeshiped that are now in college, like th- that respect has just gone out the window. Also, nobody wants to go. Nobody wants to make like a hundred spoons. Nobody wants to learn how to make like a proper seal or like a great point. You know, everybody wants to make something heady. Yeah. Great. Awesome. But if you don't know the fundamentals of something, it's going to suck. And the spoons make the spoons are what's making money. Yeah. Yeah. Like rare that somebody's going to spend a grand on, I mean, you know, something big. And it's like little things with glass blowing, you know, it is functional. So if like, you know, the bowl hole, the carb hole, the mouthpiece all have to be in a certain ratio or the thing doesn't work right. The space inside of the piece has to be right or it won't work right. Like, so there's so many little things. It's not like you're just making a piece of art to make a piece of art. Like this thing has to work. It's functional glass for a reason. Yes. Yeah. I remember when I first started, I knew this other girl that blew glass a little bit and I heard people like talking shit about her stuff. And I just remember in that moment, I was like, people notice everything like you can't get away with like any little thing so wow you have to put in the time yeah. but like you said being raised right yeah you know yeah with a little respect, respect yeah for, like oh i need to keep my mouth shut and learn what's happening also being hungry for it some yeah. people are spoiled and they're not hungry for it like yeah. you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean yeah i mean i just i went into audio engineering where it's like it, it is just so similar. It's it's a trade. You know, yeah. it's an artistic trade. That, it's still a trade, though. Yeah, that that is primarily uh, passed through one person to another. You yeah. know, it's still this it's this it's it's this auditory. Like, what do they call it when like 
it's like like cultures pass stories down through generations. It's like this odd. It's like this. I know odd, what you mean. I don't know what it's yeah, called. Yeah. But it's it's that type of education still, and I feel like like glass blowing almost will never move away from that type of no, education. I don't think it will really. Yeah. I mean, just like you know, it's really popular these need days, to learn and those there's things, still no school really for it. And you it. can only learn those things from somebody who has the knowledge. And it's like you can have the knowledge, but not actually be able to pass it on to someone too. Yeah, that's a whole different skill. Yeah, it really is a whole different skill. Yeah, I always tell kids that are like trying to get into it, like, you know, if you want to like learn stuff at first, just buy a pair of glasses, like glass blowing glasses, and just watch people. Like, don't say anything. Like, don't ask them can questions. Can I sit here and watch? Yes, just watch. Because if you have your own glasses, you can just watch, and then you don't. Because nobody, like, in the middle of a piece, like, I can, from working shows, kind of, like, tell people Stop what I'm doing. Explain. But also, at the same time, like, in that moment, like, you're better off just watching because you'll see why they're doing stuff before you, like, will get the answer of why they're doing stuff, yeah. you know? I, that, it, respect and patience. Yes. Big time. Okay. We'll bring it back to you. Um, <laughs> so, I just, that was so uh, fascinating to me that it's, like... We we are losing those trades where kids if kids we're losing trades in general yeah where if kids aren't if you're not able to go through a college program that skill set is almost not taught no and 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 this I mean, country is losing like all of its trades really you know? yeah yeah so uh so you you were able to pick it up from from. From this guy in Gloucester. Yep. Uh, you sat and watched and learned the right way. Yes. Well, he didn't. I didn't sit and watch. Like, Jason threw me in, like, full bore. And he did stuff, too, where I didn't realize it at the time. But now, looking back, I realize it. He had me do things intentionally difficult all the time. And I think he was seeing, like, will this, will she, like, can she, like, hang, like, like, I know you don't know, blow glass, but he was making me make spoons right off tubing, not using blow handles or pulling points. So you're, like, okay. rolling a piece of tubing like this that's this long in your hand making a spoon on the end of it. It's yeah. pretty difficult. Yeah. Um. So he was putting you through paces to see if you could. definitely did. If you were going to lose it. He definitely did. And our You can take a drink of I water. Know, I'm sorry. It's so fine. <laughs> and it was crazy, too. Our shop was so ghetto. It was in Salem. It was, there was no bathroom, no heat. It was like the middle of the winter when I first started. Because it was pretty much illegal for him to even be doing. He would smoke bowls of tobacco in front of our shop to be like, we smoke tobacco out of these. Really? It was like wow. that. All right. He wouldn't smoke weed with me for the first three months I worked there. But so Because he, he was, didn't, he was like afraid I was a narc. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, shit. It was like he put me through it. But so he realized he needed you to to make a little bit of money. And yes. so he was he was teaching because his wife had kids at home and and so he was teaching he he was teaching you because he needed a hand. Oh, big time, yeah. And so and and so you were kind of in the right place at the right time Ex to learn from Oh, this guy. yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I was really in the right place at the right time. And I also identified that and was like this is like my time. Like even in that crappy shop with no heat and like the piss hole behind my bench that the boys would piss in. I was like so happy. That was like one of the happiest times of my life. I was like, well, so that <laughs> also comes from, you know, going to concerts and the jam scene and the messages is, is the message is let's be grateful for being happy right now. Yes. You know, that's the, like, if you're not hearing that in the music, you're not listening. Right. A hundred percent. And so, you know, and especially when you're young and you're in that scene and, and, and you're, and you're surrounded by like, oh, this is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I, it took me a while to learn that lesson. I mean, I honestly, I give it up to my mom. Like she really taught me how to make things from a really early age. Okay. So like and I to see it through to the end. Yes. Yeah. So it's like, I picked it up like. I'm not like the best glass blower, but I feel like I picked it up pretty fast and like was able to make like, I mean, I could make like really nice inside out spoons before I could like even make like a little pendant or something just because like I was taught, I was like, you need to make functional stuff, but I like picked it up quickly. Like whatever he would show me, I could do it right then, you know? Well, you have to have, you have to have some skills. So he yeah. obviously saw that you had, you were, you know, yeah. You, there, there has to be some skill to 
to any trade. Oh, yeah. And, like, I definitely was groomed at an early age to be, like, to make, like, to be an artist. Like, my mom would straight tell me when I was a little girl, like, you know, you're going to drop Landon when you become an artist and you'll just be (laughs) Sable Hayes. And, like, like, she would make me do things where she would have, like, a vase full of, like, hydrangeas and she would make me draw them, like, ten times, you know, like, just to, to, like, make me do it. And then she used to make, like, really big, like, wreaths and trees out of like grave ivy so i'd be like her gapper like making like all of like the bundles of princess pine and wrapping the pine cones and like doing all of like the grunt work you know because she was painting she yeah well she was making it they were reeves and so you learned how to work under an artist exactly yeah yeah wow so i do give it up like she's a hard woman but like she definitely gave me like my work ethic and like my skills of being able to the make life stuff. skills yeah 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 so so i mean it wasn't in your you know family to go to college it was no. in your family to you know work under an artist and find out your art i mean honestly in my family it was like everybody's laborers yeah i've got lucky that i'm not honestly okay. yeah so where'd you go from gloucester okay so then i Worked with Jason for a while. He moved to Michigan. Me and my boyfriend at the time, I was teaching how to blow glass, which I can tell you right now, if you're an artist of any kind, never teach your spouse how to do what you do. Because that was like our big downfall between the two of us. Because he would never listen to me. Something that, you know, he was trying to learn from you. But then there's this whole power dynamic. And like he would only ever want to do the things that like Jason taught us to do. And I was learning more stuff because I was, like, networking with other glassblowers. And I was like, hey, you know, Jason's, like, he told us this way. But, like, my other friend told us this way, which in glassblowing, there's a lot of different ways to do stuff. Yeah. And he would be like, no, that's not that's not what we're going to do. So I worked there with him for, like, six years. Wow. And uh, in our basement. The, the, with your boyfriend? With my ex-boyfriend at okay, the time. Yeah. But that was, like, a nightmare in so Did many ways. Did he end up picking it up? No, he went back to what he did before because right. he was terrible at it. And I, he was, some people, people are like, how long does it take to learn how to blow glass? And it's like, it's really different for everybody. And some people can't do it. Sure. And he was one of those people that can't do it. And like, I feel bad saying that he's a very sweet man, but he is not a glass blower. I know I have no visual artistic skill. It's not for everybody. Yeah. I know I can look at a frame, you know, yeah. I can look at a frame and I know what's wrong with it. I'm a, like, I'm a producer. I yeah. can change things, but like design. It's like, not your bag. No, not at all. Like I, I like to work with designers, Yes, you know, and like, so I just know that that's, I'm audio, you know. Also then too, like I was saying before, not everybody can teach. And I was really early at the skill. So I didn't really know how to teach him either. You know, like you didn't even have a full concept. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that sounds like a nightmare. It was like it was like pretty hard actually, but, but, but it's okay. Besides that, did you guys have an okay relationship? Um, I would say I mean it lasted like eight years. Yeah. So I mean it wasn't terrible. But then, you know, when you do work and live with someone, you become so intertwined with each other's lives. And at the end of our relationship, we were pretty much just like business people like business partners, you know. Okay. But um we separated pretty amicably we actually worked festivals together for like three or four years after we broke up really yeah so i think that around this time in your story we may have crossed paths probably because um the first work i ever got actually the background of my computer was camp colebrook oh yeah and i worked that yeah so and so uh, my friends from college uh through this festival and and you the group of uh people I I worked with Last Fair Deal was our booth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh you guys had the snooters. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where I got that's where we got the snooters. I know. That's like a thing that like <sighs> I blew so many minds with those with that thing it was okay so and if you don't want this in we can let's maybe not put this in but i'll tell you like yeah it's the only thing i ever made up in glass blowing like it was the only invention i've ever made so it's kind of like i don't think it's really that bad to be honest with you it made people be cleaner like one time i was at a show and i heard this girl say to her friend they had a snooter 
And she, he goes, let me let me use that. And she goes, no, I don't let anyone use my snooter. And I was like, that's the shit right there. Like, because yeah. when I made those, it was when ketamine was really big. Yes. And everybody was just like a nightmare mess. Oh, see, I <laughs> was blowing minds because nobody really knew how to do it. I know people. You had to explain it to people. And so I would just, instead of explaining it, I would just set people up. Yeah. And I'd just be like, give me your nose. And then, yeah. And I just, and I'd then just you release the carb. The, yeah. I just go around the circle and I would blow people's fucking minds with this thing. And, and, but it ate up bags. Like oh, we yeah, were just but, crushing bags. Well, okay. So the first ones I made, I made from scrap pieces. Like they're called points. It's like when you have a big piece of tubing, you pull points. And they were, I used like a bunch of black tubing and blue tubing that you couldn't see through. And like they were wreckers. They wrecked people because yeah. they couldn't see what they were putting in. It. Yeah, yeah. So then I was yeah. like, what to just clear only. Like yeah, I yeah. try not to put any color on them at all. But it's crazy. I've seen them all over the country like ones really? that i didn't make really i saw a soft glass one once and i was like whoa dude i guess i don't know what soft glass it's is. just a different technique okay. that's when you see people in um commercials and they have like long blow pipes oh, that's yeah, yeah. like crucible work or like soft glass okay but um but no i've seen them literally everywhere so it's kind of cool that i like did start something but it's like god it's see like, that's the thing so like even even like like ketamine is becoming accepted oh like, yeah all people these things talk are about becoming, it on tv yeah so so that's why it's like i don't think that we even really need to cut this so we don't much need to we out. don't need to because it's fine i used to have a real chip on my shoulder well, about it people were calling me like i remember at Camp Colebrook the last time I went, I yeah. was walking down like a path and these like group of young kids were passing me and I hear them like snark under their breath when I walk by like, oh, there's snorkel. And I was like, what? Everybody I talked to loved them. Yeah, like, but when you're the one that made them the and then people like, you See, know, it's a yeah. weird connotation because sure. I want to be known for like making nice pieces, not making this freaking. It's like, it's like having a, it's like having, it's like being, you feel like a one hit wonder. <laughs> Yes, and for like not the greatest of things. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but at the same time, it helped people be cleaner. Yeah. Whatever. Or it's like, or it's like, it's like, uh, it's like, it's like, um, like a child actor that can't outlive, you know, their. And the their... thing too, like, I only really made them for like a year, and then all of the girls that worked at the booth would make them. Like, I never even made them. Yeah, I because I remember, uh. I was so into it and I was, and everybody I, everybody I showed it, I was just blowing minds. And the girl that I was talking to, the girl that I got it from, she was blonde. So it was probably either Kate or Kelsey. And, and she's like, yeah, I live right in Gloucester. If oh, you, that was if probably want, Kate. If you want more, um, just like, I'll do, I'll do deals on bulk. Yeah. And, and I, I like had her info and I lost it. And like, I mean, that was a mess, but. I mean, I mean, fuck that. That first Colebrook, I think, was 2010. Yeah. yeah, I started making those at Camp Bisco in like I don't know what year, maybe like 08 or 09. So like my is is like my friend Chicken like was like the one who told me to do it, and like he just like he kept getting mad at me because like all this one night he kept like telling me to make one of these things, and I was like, dude, shut up, dude, shut up. And finally, he's like, if you don't do it, like, I'm going to do it. Like, give me your torch because he doesn't blow glass. Yeah. So I did it and we used it. We were all like, <laughs> it was on mind it, blow. It, yeah. It was honestly a game changer. Yeah. No. Because you didn't like drop stuff all over the place. And you could fill it for somebody and hold both the holes and then walk across the field and be like, look, dude, I brought you a little favor. I set you up. Yeah. Or you set yourself up in your pocket. Oh, yeah. You know? The silk. Yeah. Like, and you, you're just like. <laughs> You know, like, like I've stood on the floor of so many venues. Me too. Like, you don't need to go to the bathroom. Like, it was just such a game a changer. Idea. Yeah, it was, and that's why it's. It's like I'm. I used to be more embarrassed about it than I am now, but it was a tool that like helped people. And like, like I said, I only made them at the very beginning and then the girls always made them sure. and like i'll make them for a friend every once in a while but like they were kind of classy looking too yeah. like what what the ones i got from the girls you know they color and yeah. a little bit Do of dilly no, yeah. Yeah. yeah i taught them all to do that yeah 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 <laughs> so so i feel like it's a good thing to address because it is something i mean i have a few like older 
glassblower friends that have been like, don't ever let people know that you did this. Really? Yes. Why? Because, you know, it's like we I, I feel like as pipe makers, we live on a fringe and we all like party and go hard. But we all like it's like this respectable amount of party go hard. You know, like we don't want to like okay. seem like we're extra crazy even though that most of us are you know well because it is still i mean because of the roots that we talked about yes yeah so they still and like you know they soft glass blowers that... like look down at pipe makers so it's like then it's like then you throw that in and then it's like really getting looked down on you know really yeah see I'm, i didn't know about that at all well soft glass blowers don't make any money you have to be rich to be a soft glass blower because yeah. i mean they some of them do i shouldn't say but that it's, it's art it's hard it's a hard hustle yeah. because not only is it harder to sell it like a, a pipe is to be able to do soft glass, it costs so much more money. Like okay. you can't let your furnace cool down because it will like crack your crucible and then your crucible is like hundreds of dollars, you know? Okay. So you constantly have to like keep a, a hot shop like never can stop. Okay. Whereas my glass is like I have a torch and I have tubing and a kiln and I can like make a part to something and like let it sit for two years and then finish it, you know? What it sounds like to me is almost how musicians look at DJs. Yeah, oh, big time. Yeah. Which now D some there's DJs that are, you know, the some of the biggest artists in the world and I think I, I think good I think good DJs are artists. Oh, for sure, 100%. But there are some that aren't. And good glassblowers are serious artists, and too. And good glassblowers are artists. And but there's also glassblowers that are, like, craftspeople, and then there's glassblowers that are more, like, artists. You know what I yeah. mean? There's, like, a... I think the end of the war on drugs is 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 kind of dissipating all of these uh, taboos slowly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And boomers are dying out. Yeah. And, like, the younger generation just doesn't care, you yes. know? Yeah, so I can cut this out if no, you want. No, you don't need to. We can okay. leave it in. It's fine. All right, but because it I, is I part of my history. I think it's a big part. I think, and I think it's worth addressing because you know, because those stereotypes are being broken. Yes, and and so it's like like we you we just learned that okay yeah you came you come you know you you've come from an artist family you were like. And you came and you came up and yeah, you you got you got into glass as functional glass, but what you do now, I mean, is high art. And not everything you do is functional. No, yeah. And and I a lot of what you do is pendants, yeah. is art, is yeah. is um I mean, I got my whole family uh the the uh, christmas tree ornaments i know I, for christmas I, they all love them i'm sure they did i was like oh my god these are so cheesy but it's yeah, like something I, that your mom moms will always love though my family love them so much <laughs> i'm really happy to hear that i got a call from um <laughs> my aunt my great aunt in tears be like that was so nice of you i love this so much i was like you're welcome. Happy Christmas, dude. You know. It's all about making those great aunts cry, man. Yeah, yeah it really is. Yeah, I got, <laughs> I got them to everyone. I still have, I still have. My aunt hasn't been. She's been kind of traveling for the for holidays the last couple of years. Gotcha. And, uh, and so hers is actually still in my car. I gotta send it. But no, that's cool though. Yeah, but no, and so I feel like it's a valid part of your story that is like, okay, yes, we were pigeonholed in, yeah. into this fringe part of art you know yeah. into this this functional glass that was looked down upon yes had some stink on it yeah but you, the whole scene is kind of coming away from that i mean there's glass blowers that are selling pipes for like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. yeah yeah you know like that's like real art real money you know yeah and you've come up with like your your staple that people like. Yes. The female form. Yeah, yeah. Or what do you call it? Um, I call them sisters just because like I'm just a little sisters. sister and Okay. All right. I don't know. I just connected with that. I used when I first started making them, I was like definitely calling them goddesses, but you know, everyone calls them that. And I just one day like I, I kind of like switched them up at one point, like maybe like 
five or six years ago, I like just changed how I was making them. And at that point I was like, I'm going to change what I call them too. Okay. Because like, I'm a little sister. Like I identify with that. And I feel like as women, we all kind of are sisters. Yeah. So I just kind of went with that. I like how it sounds. I like the feeling around it, you know, is that, that, uh, form definitely your best seller. It's funny because there's certain times in my career I've tried to get away from making them. Okay. And then I always end up making them again. Because first of all, I enjoy making them. I, I really... Don't, I don't think having a hook is a bad thing. <laughs> no, but you, you... There's a lot of people that make female forms in all art. I mean, it was like sure. the original art. Yeah. So sometimes I just get feel weird because there's other glass blowers that make bodies and stuff. But I really... I don't care, though, at the same time because I know my girls came from something inside of myself and I started making them in like 08 when there wasn't, it wasn't like that, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't know. I just, when I make a nice body, like it's very satisfying to me. I like them. I, I could see, and I see even in the few years that we've known each other, they've gotten drastically better. So I could see that being something, you know, that you keep perfecting. Yeah. You know, but, and, but it's not the only thing you do. No, you do it's great not. Pendants and, and I you... like really like, um, which I need to do more of, but I stay away from it a little bit because it's very time consuming. I make like the Encomo pieces where it's like all of the circles coming together. Okay. But I, I need to just do them more. I was making, I had like a whole run of Sherlock's I did like last year that were like art deco Sherlock's. Yeah. 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 I have and one. I want a little one. No, not oh, like not that. Ones? So not the ones the I'm talking, the, they do have faces, but like on the can where the, um, bowl pieces, it's like a series of circles with lip wraps all around that goes around it. Oh, so I make like these little balls okay. that are like 11 pieces all together. I like stack, stack, stack like three sections, flip it, stack three sections, flip it, stack three sections. And it looks really cool. Not a lot of people do it, but it's also one of those things that unless you're a glass blower, you don't realize how hard that was to make. So yeah. it's kind of can be like a hard sell sometimes because sure. I need to charge at least like a hundred dollars for every Encomo ball I make. You know what I mean? That doesn't include all the other stuff. So it's almost like, um, you know, a, a glass blowers piece. Yes. But yeah, I love the faces too. The yeah. faces, like I kind of don't know why it took me so long to put you a keep, face on a body. Well, and you keep picking things up and then it's like, oh, I, this needs to get a lot better. Yeah. You know? And so it's like, you're always, you're definitely, you know, an artist because you're, you're, you're like, you're trying something new and you're like, ah, it's not. It's not quite. Yeah. It's not what I'm picturing. And yeah. then you do it until it is. You never stop learning how to be better. Yeah. And if you have, or you think you have, then you're fucked, you know? Yeah. No. And that's how I function too. My next thing is always better than my last thing. It should be. Always. And if it's not, then you should Every, every show I throw, the next one's better. Every, like, uh, there's always ways to progress, you know? And if you are, I feel like to be an artist, you're very critical on yourself. Yeah. So you see what needs to be better and you address it next time. Yes. And that doesn't mean it's going to be perfect and that doesn't mean something else isn't going to go wrong. No, it's not pursuit of perfection. No, it's just being better. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just pursuit of, of happiness really yeah. you're gonna you're only happy in that moment you pull something off and then you're like oh it's gonna be better next time and it's it's funny because like my greatest satisfaction when i make a piece is like right before you do a mouthpiece and you're like putting it in the kiln to like heat up for the final heat up and it looks just mint yeah that is like, and nobody ever sees that but me. And then once it's made and gone, I have no attachment to it. Yeah. Like I have no attachment to anything I've ever made. Like people That's are great. like, because I'm like really sentimental about everything, but stuff I make, I'm like, I, once it's out of my hands, I never think about it again. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. That's cool to know. And then, and then when it cools, it kind of settles and is a little different than no, that moment anyway. No, it looks anyway, exactly though. the same, really? but there's just... Because, like, the way the kiln is, it has, like, an opener thing right here. And you're, like, sh putting it in there. And, like, 
that last heat up, you know, that's like after you take off the mouthpiece, it's a lot harder to go back and fix anything. Okay. So you're really looking at it when you're like sliding it in the kiln. So you're the most focused. Yes. And when it and looks maybe that's just why right and you're like throwing it in there. Yeah. yeah. You're just like. <laughs> <laughs> that's really cool. You know? Yeah. That's that's a cool moment to acknowledge. I feel like we don't acknowledge. Yeah. The, it's about the know. process for me. Yeah. Totally. So. You know, uh, how'd you get up to Maine? Okay, so I was with Keith. It was not going good. I had known a bunch of glassblowers in Portland that I, like, knew from festivals. We all, like, were like a crew, you know? Okay. And um, one of them had already started working with me and Keith at festivals. And then the other ones were just, like, always around. And I wanted to be where other glassblowers were because you can only learn how to be better if you're exposed to new techniques. And I was like super sequestered in Gloucester. I knew one other glassblower and he's awesome, but like I wanted more than that. Yeah. And Gloucester was never my home. Like I have so many friends here and in PA and in Mass, I had like two friends. It's yeah. like, oh, especially on an island, no one wants to be your friend. <laughs> um. So uh, my girlfriend was like looking to get like move out of her spot. And I was like, we should get a spot together. So we found like a really like sick deal. We had like a whole house for a thousand dollars, like near where I live now. And we lived there for like five years. When I first came up here, I was working out of like, um, there's a head shop on St. John street that used to be the blazing ace like back in the day. And then it switched over and she was working in the front of the, the head shop. And there was like a little glass blowing studio in the back. So I worked there for quite a while okay and then i just kind of since then like i've worked at one big shop in portland like on preble street but besides that i've only ever really worked at like friends houses like like little garage setups like i do like working in a big shop but it's also sucks a lot too at the same time so you came here for the community yes you knew people that had shops yes you knew you had places you could work I had and places i could work i knew and i was just I've never been afraid to just like go do something. You know, yeah. I don't have I didn't have any attachments. Well, you were getting out of that relationship. Yeah. And and so you're like, this is where, you know. It seemed really natural, honestly, to nice. come up here. Yeah. And it really was. Like I've left here a couple times thinking I was gonna move, but I always end up coming back because I'm like, I do feel like Maine's my home. Yeah. Yeah. I I feel this I feel the same way. I was It's wonderful here. Yeah. I mean, I uh I I came up here for a concert and I could just kind of feel that, you know, oh, this city's growing. Yeah. You know, and, and I wanna I don't know. And Boston was, you know, plateaued. So it's hard there for years. Too. Yeah. And it's like and it was so expensive and it was you had to work in like med or tech and and like to even start even to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't want to commute and really like all the jobs were full, yeah. you know? So I was like, I'll come up here. I have a good skill set. I'll find work. And, and, and I'm really happy to be part of a growing city. And I feel like that's what it brought, no, brought Portland's a lot definitely of people here. Growing city. Uh, also, I have to mention this, like uh, a big reason I moved to Maine was stupid Harry Brown's farm. Oh really? Because when I was living in mass, I was going and working three shows a summer there. And that's how I became really close with a, like a lot of those glassblower kids yeah. was from Harry Brown's. Okay. And that was like where I first got like a real booth. Even okay. It was Harry Brown's, but that was like no, where yeah. I got like my feet wet. Like not just so where you felt like you were, I was well, like, part cool. of something. I'm doing something. Yeah. And like not just walking around with a gun case full of glass, you sure. know, like actually yeah. having like a booth. That's the kind of great thing about festivals is that, you know, it you're you're there is this growth potential there where it's like no matter what you're into, there's there's this there's a way to get better at it oh, yeah. within that atmosphere. And so like you can go from, you know, being really insecure and trying to like go from site to site with your little case. Which and, is like, so hard. It's, it's yeah. ridiculously but hard. The, it's like you have to make that step. Yes. To to be able to like, all right, now I feel good about like people are buying my stuff and I can walk around. You get like, your down in down. the field. Yeah. I, now I can. Now I feel good enough to walk around in the field yeah. and I have my case out. Totally. And then it's like, 
and then you get the chance for the booth and you're like, oh, now I'm like this. That was like humongous. Have a table. Yeah. My first few booths were really small, but I was so all about it because it was just me and Keith and we only had a small amount of glass. So I had to fill the rest of the booth. So I made like clothes that I sold at the booth <laughs> and like all types, like all these necklaces and stuff. Like I made like so much other stuff to fill into sure. the booth. So yeah. like the whole booth was like all stuff I made. So nice. it was like pretty awesome you know wow. even though it was like real cheesy hippie stuff but like, <laughs> like at the patchwork stuff oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah patchwork skirts and little tops and stuff <laughs> um that's cool though. yeah no it was great and it made it really like i had to leave festivals for like a lot of different reasons but like i will always love that time i had because it first of all got me ready for like any possible scenario at any time yeah because everything is always different you never can you, you're not just setting up the same every time there's always like these variables there's always yep. weird people around dealing with people like always knowing how to put someone in their place without being mean yeah you know like all of these little skills in life you need to have like i festivals like help me a lot with just being able to be secure with myself and like know how to deal with like the outside world. So you have your own shop now. Let's get so you had to you had to kind of duck out of festivals. Yeah. So at the end of doing shows, I was doing like 15 to 17, 15 to 17 ish shows a summer, yeah. which is insanity. That's a lot. I mean, how many weekends are there even in the summer? There's like But we started there's like 12. in April and we would go all the way to October. Wow. Yeah. So and then you think about it, so you leave for the show Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, and yeah. then you set up is Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then you're blowing. So then it's like you, it's like I'm setting up a glass blowing studio. I'm setting up like a display area. I mean, obviously we did it all together, but then, then there's three days of like being a bus boy, a bouncer an entertainer, and like a salesperson. Yeah. You know, you're doing all of the stuff. Like, so it's a long ass se season. How, it's a long, how long? And then by the end of the year, yeah, you have almost no pipes, because when you come home on Sunday or Monday, you have literally one day to clean all the stuff. Yeah, make stuff like, and then just do it all over again. So it was like I. At so the end of the year, I had like nothing in my case. Like, why am I even here? So you had to like. You, you, you're so for years. So how long did you do this? Were you, were at, at that frequency? So I would say I had a booth at festivals for about 10 years, but the, the last four or five years was like the most intense. Okay. So that's a long time. It was. So, so four or five years, you're, you're just like pumping so hard. Stocking all winter. But I'm not even because I have to sell in the winter to make money to live. Wow. So. So you're just, you're. It was just a just real heavy grind. Just making as much as yes, you can. it was yeah. a grind. Wow. And I. So man, were, were you buying from other people to keep your shelves So full the boys or? were. Okay. But I would never do that. How I started to really pick up money was I was the person that would make your custom pipe. Nobody else at the booth would really want to do it. Spunions would come over and be like, can you write like Tim loves Lisa? And I would be like, yes, $50. Okay. You know what I mean? So you, you were, you, you had your torch out yes. all weekend. Yes. Okay. And I was like always willing to make custom pieces. Okay. And actually, you know, it's helped me even to this day because there's like a lot of times where kids wanted custom pieces for me, but couldn't afford it or whatever at the time. Yeah. And they, they, I still get hit up like, Hey, I met you wherever. Yeah. Like I always wanted a custom piece and like, I still make custom pieces all the time, which wow. a lot of people don't do because it does suck to make a piece from someone who doesn't understand. But once you do it enough, you know, the questions to ask. The first question is what's your price point? Yeah. And then the second question is like, you know, everything else after that it doesn't even really matter it's the what's your price point because people come over and say all of this crazy stuff and you're like well that's like a 500 dollars piece that you're talking about yeah and then yeah. you can kind of like bring them back to reality you well know? customers don't understand you know like i do i do that a lot too where it's like like okay what are you trying to get done yes and this is what we can do 
now too, it's nice because people that do want custom work from me, they want what I make just like slightly different for okay. them before it was like so much random crap. So now at least when I get asked for customs, it's like something that's already like a product I make. They just want it like a different color or whatever, you know? Yeah. All right. But that shows though, like I, that's how I would hustle my money mostly was just making customs because wow, just to make like a. 20 minute spoon I could get like 50 to 60 bucks and like is then it would happen too like if some kid saw me making some pipes for some other kids it would be make it would snowball then like another group of kids would come over <laughs> and I made like the funniest ones like there was this group of like three or four boys once and like they made me put all of their names on this pipe and write like best friends club or something really terrible and cheesy <laughs> and I was like what are you guys gonna do when you leave the show like how are you guys gonna like split this <laughs> But they were just so high and happy. They were like, this is our friendship pipe. <laughs> Everybody's so in love I, at a festival. It's I know. Like, I miss that so much. Yeah. I know. It it, be, it becomes draining. It's either you're really in love or you're not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you're not in it and everybody else there is, Which happened exhausting. to me a lot. Yeah. Because I was burnt out. Yeah. Yeah. And by the end of the uh, and by the end of like a season, I wanted to kill like everybody, you know. And are you? And you weren't even making enough in the summer to float you through the winter. No, I just did it because I loved it. Oh, okay. I mean, I did make money. Yeah. But. But you're you're partying and you're yeah. having a good time. So and I mean, that's a lot of why I wanted to leave. Though I wasn't like really focusing on my art. You know, it was just I was making just quick shit to make money. Yeah. And like, I want to be an artist. I don't want to be just like humping on lot from the rest of my life. And you know, I saw people looking haggard and gross after a while. Like, and I'm like, ah, like I don't want to be like. 50 year old haggard lady on lot, you know, yeah. like I'm not really. You see those people. Yeah. Yeah. I know them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're. Some are great. Beautiful people. Some are. Yeah. And some are not. Some are not. So now you, uh, you have your own space. I blow glass at my friend's house. He's okay. a glass blower too. He has like a garage. Okay. He, and, um, I've been at his, I've been blowing glass over there for probably the whole time I've been back. But you have your own bench set up yes, there? Yes, yeah, okay. yeah. I have my own, my own equipment and all yeah, that Yeah, and you free go to it go oh, yeah, yeah, whenever yeah, you want. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a standalone garage, so I can go do whatever. Oh, great. There. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's good. That's a yeah. great deal. No, and he's like my best friend, so it works out really nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know... It's real chill. It's ideal. When you work at a big studio, you're dealing with like... Four or five sensitive boy glass blowers at all times. Like I really feel like girl glass blowers are like, and boy glass blowers are all. What just was that? So, Give me it one more time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I feel like a lot, not all, but a lot of girl glass blowers. You know, they have like that chip. Like we're tough, you know. Yeah. And then all the boy glass blowers are just always depressed. <laughs> really? Like, yes. Like that's definitely a stereotype. I mean, it's. I mean, it's true. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's definitely true. Like, they're all, like, pansy-ass little bitches for the most part. I mean, I love them so much. They're, like, some of my best friends. But, like, it's definitely, you like... You said a... that sh with strength. <laughs> but, like, you know what I mean? Like, when you go to a trade show of all glass blowers, you see it real hard then. Because, like, there's a bunch of us. There is a stereotype. <laughs> and yeah. all the boys are like, much more sensitive than the girls. And the yeah. girls are all just, like... Because there's not very many of us. Yeah. How how many kind of big trade shows are there a year? <gasps> Too many, to be honest. Before, it used to be just champs. And then now one of the big shows just recently fell off. But there's still, you know, when trade shows are going, there's a trade show almost every month Yeah, in a different location. But there's the big ones or the January ones in Vegas. There's three big ones that are like back to back to back in Vegas. Yeah. But that's kind of like diluted it because it used to be just one okay. and then it used to be just two and now it's three. So one is kind of like Indian product glass show. You know, it's like they have like stuff that you have at head shop. And then the other one used to be like the biggest one that was like really driven by like good glass. But that has fallen off because people don't like uh, their management. Okay. So now the third one is like the one to go to, but you don't make any money. It's just a party. Okay. So it's kind of like, I feel like after we come out of coronavirus, hopefully like we'll get it back together and maybe just like 
streamline trade shows a little bit and not have so many. Yeah, there will it will be more business. Like if yeah. we're gonna travel, we have to make money. Yes. Yeah. Because it sounds them, it sounds like that that one. I mean, my whole my whole theory with after Corona is that I I mean, I think I think I think we're gonna come back hard, and that there are a lot of people waiting to get out and do things. Oh yeah. But they're gonna blow all their steam quick. Yes. And then the people who were doing things regularly, who were getting out to party a little more regularly, um, have seen a complete change in lifestyle. I mean, honestly, coronavirus has been great for me yeah. because people are buying like a lot more weed. Yeah. And so people in turn are buying a lot more pipes. Like okay. I'm like backed up on orders. I've been backed up on orders for like the past, like since like maybe October or no, like August. Wow. Just because, like, I'm constantly getting orders because head shops are doing great right now, which is wonderful. Like, yeah. head shops were kind of dying off a little bit, but they're, like, our bread and butter. Yeah. Like, I can do some direct sales, but it, selling to a head shop, I'm going to make much more money, like, in one shot, you okay. know? Okay. All right. And people come in looking for, for your stuff. Your stuff. Yeah. All right. Great. Um, so, yeah, let's wrap it up. Uh, thank you for coming here. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Where can people find your glass? Um, on my Instagram, Sable Hayes, but also Blazing Ace, Northern Lights, uh, Riptide, Green Bear 420. If you ever go up north, I have a lot of nice work up there, too, actually. Okay. And then, yeah, yeah. Th that's the main, main stores for sure. Great, yeah. And, uh, yeah, definitely check out the Instagram. Um, all kind of updates yeah. and stuff are, are there. Uh, thank you for being. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.